Welcome to the Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Hey everybody, this is Reporter, the podcast that delves into the minds and lives of broadcast news reporters and anchors, delivering a behind-the-scenes look at their careers, methods, best practices, and some personal stories from the trenches of journalism. Today we have a guest who has popped out of the TV news business pretty recently, Marissa Mendelson. Uh, before that, she was reporting in Tucson, Arizona, and now is pursuing an acting career in California. Marissa, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for uh, joining me on this episode of Reporter. Um, and uh, have you had a chance to listen to any of the other episodes? I have, actually. I've listened to several, so it's an honor that you asked me to do this. Thank you. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I'm glad you've um, you know, had a chance to listen a little bit, and uh, hopefully it's something you've enjoyed to some extent. Um, you know, Every episode is a little different. Some of them are probably a little bit redundant, um, but uh, I'm excited for this one because a lot of the people I've talked to so far are people who I've directly worked with or know pretty well. And I think I've only met you once or twice at uh, IRE um, conventions or whatever they're called, conferences rather. Um, so it's cool to, to hear some of your stories. So, um, actually, I think the first time we met was at an awards ceremony. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I think that's correct. I think it was at an AP awards ceremony, maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, but it's a, it's a small world. So, um, <laughs> there's obviously a ton of connections with everybody in this business, but, uh, so let's talk about how, you know, first of all, um, for people who don't know you, um, you're in California now, right? Correct. I'm in the Los Angeles area. Okay. And uh, where did you grow up? Like, where did you go to high school? Uh, what part of the country? Okay. I went to New World School of the Arts. It was a small performing arts high school in Miami. It was actually in downtown Miami, Florida. Uh, it was an audition-only school, magnet school. Okay. And I grew, I grew up there. Very nice. And so where did you, did you go to undergraduate somewhere? I went to UCF. Uh, for my bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism. Excellent. That's the Golden Knights, is that right? Yes. And I never went to a single sporting event while I was there. But when I was a reporter for WFTV in Orlando, that's when I went to my first football game <laughs> at UCF. <laughs> nice. Um, to cover it. Yeah. All right. So you uh, grew up in Miami. So where was your first uh, on-air station? Was it was it in Orlando or where, where was that? My Well, I interned in Orlando when I was in college, but my first on-air station was in Rock Island, Illinois, in the Quad Cities. Ooh. So it was Market 92 at the time. Okay. And did you, I think you told me that was, uh, was it just one day after graduating college? Well, I was hired before I graduated, and I was hired actually at an RTNDA conference. Now it's, I think, called RTDNA. Right. Uh, yeah, so I was hired at one of those conferences, which kind of makes the point that it's so important to go to those conferences because you really do get to meet news directors and people who are important at stations. So the day I graduated, I left to make that road trip onto Illinois and start my first job. And what was it like? So you drove from Florida to Illinois? Correct. I did. Was it by yourself? No, actually, my mom did the drive with me. And by the time we got to Illinois, I ended up having pneumonia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> because think about it, you know, I had my finals that last week and, um, you know, had to deal with the packing and all the stress and the temperature changes. And by the time we got to Illinois, you know, I noticed I, I felt sick and I had a horrible, horrible fever. And so my mom took me straight to the hospital in the Quad Cities and they diagnosed me with pneumonia. I mean, luckily it was a really, really mild case. So I ended up having to start the job about a week late, but wow. the station was so nice about it and, you know, sent me a little fruit basket and, um, you know, I, I was so scared that they were going to be mad at me for being sick and having to start late, but they were just so kind. And, um, but yeah, you know, stress can definitely take a toll on someone's immune system, I guess. Yeah, that's wild. Oh yeah, absolutely. It can. Um, I think, um, wow. So off to not the greatest start, but, um, <laughs> pretty understanding of the that's, I've never been sick like that in my life and never was sick like that again, but yeah, wow. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Rock Island, is that, how far is that from like Chicago? It's about a two hour drive. Did you find yourself driving to Chicago at all when you worked in that market to kind of get away I, from? You know, I did it once. I ended up making um, friends with another reporter and the news director knew we were such good friends. He would always give us the same schedule. So one time she and I made the trip um, one weekend and drove there and it's funny when you start off in one of those small towns, it's not, you know, a real city. So the tallest buildings are maybe four floors. And I remember we drove to Chicago and we were like, oh my God, it's a real city. Because there's <laughs> big buildings and it had been so long since we had seen a real city. And I say that in quotes. Right. <laughs> but um, it, it was pretty cool. So what were you hired as in Illinois? What was your role? Back then, we called them one-man bands, and then over time, that became politically incorrect, so now they're called MMJs. So what that is for people who don't know, it's someone who reports, edits, and shoots. Got it. All their own stuff. So, um, and did you, when you got to that market, did you feel prepared for that, like based on your college training? Oh, yes. I, you know, my college training was absolutely excellent, and also, you know, with my internships, I did two different internships and I was so hands-on. I would actually volunteer to go in um, during times that I wasn't scheduled to go in so that I could help produce. And, you know, I was a really good editor and shooter at that point. And so, and I had used all the same equipment. And um, at that time we were still shooting on tape as well. But yes, I was definitely prepared. Speaking of tape, I can tell you, um, I, I love so much shooting video on uh, cards now, the SD cards. It's just like the greatest joy compared to tapes. You know, the tape situation was just, I remember my first market in Odessa, Texas, I had tapes that got eaten, so to speak, by the machine, you know, <laughs> had your footage on it and like the little tapes hanging out of the thing, you know, the film and you're just like, oh my goodness. Um, and the cameras were so much bigger. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, some folks will, uh, the younger folks will never, never understand the, uh, the tumult, tumult, uh, tumultuous situation of dealing with tape, um, I think. But all right, so back to your situation. So you're in Rock Island, and how long were you there for? 
So I was there for six months because the company wanted to promote me to their flagship station, which was in Des Moines, Iowa. Now, that was, I think, at the time, it was in the 50s or 60s market-wise. Um, I, I guess, you know, I did such a good job there, quote-unquote, that, you know, they, they wanted me to be in their bigger market, which I ended up kicking ass at that station, too. Um, not to toot my own horn, but, um, you know, I was always the top um, story. Um, I was heavily promoted. I, um, you know, always beat the other stations to the interviews. You know, I just, um, and I was just a regular breaking news reporter, court crime beat kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so that was a short stay in your first market and then you had to move again. Um, albeit not as far as a, of a move. Um, (laughs) so you moved to Iowa and you're, you're doing well there. Um, and, and what happened next? What, 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 how long were you there for? Oh gosh, you know, only a year. And then I went on to what would be the best, my favorite market um, of all of them. And that was Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, And I was there for almost five years as their consumer investigative reporter slash troubleshooter reporter. I wonder if you were there the same time as my uh, cousin and and his wife. I was, I was. Okay, Dan Dan Haggerty and Chris. Uh Uh-huh. Nice, nice. Um, man, so many people have, uh, have worked in Fort Myers. Was Noah there at the same time as he well? He was. Wow. He was. Like, we, like were, a, we hung out with the same group of people. Yep. <laughs> it's like a special club down there. Um, oh, yeah. We used to do karaoke every Wednesday night at this place called Mona Lisa's. All the stations. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was crazy. I, I don't know of any other market where all the stations would hang out together and be so close. Yeah, but yeah. that market—it was really special. It, I definitely get that vibe. I mean, a lot of really, really talented and really good uh, reporters and anchors came out of that market, from what I've seen. Just a ton of them. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it's, like, many. it's almost like there was something in the water. I've talked to Kristen. Jamie several- Yukas, um, you know, Jamie Yukas is now on on network. Uh, she came out of there. Uh, just so many talented people. I mean, you can't even begin. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, that's cool that you were there. So that was kind of your favorite stop. And then so you did consumer investigative and uh, that's kind of like a medium market. What is it, like in the sixties or something? 60 range. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At the time it was. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was even in the seventies. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's always tough to keep track because they do change too. It's, it's a, it's like right. a every year thing. Yeah. It always changes. So Sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, that's market, you know, 151. And then I'm like, no, no, it's 147. You know, but there's really no real answer. It just depends on the moment in time um, or the year, I guess. But uh, all right. So you're in Fort Myers for almost five years, having a lot of fun down there. A lot of young people in that market. Um, and uh, in terms of your, your coworkers and, you know, hanging out with all three stations. Um, and what happened next career-wise? Yeah, so I re-signed my contract at that station three different times. Uh, after the news director who hired me left there, we had multiple news directors go through there. And eventually it was just time to move on. And I went to, and at this point, I'm, I think, more concerned about getting a salary increase, unfortunately. And also, I just was so, you know, 
into like the new structure who hired me. If he was still there, I would have stayed for sure. It doesn't matter how much they paid me, but, um, you know, I just, uh, was, I think ready to move on. So I go to Oklahoma city, <laughs> Oklahoma, um, to the Fox affiliate and I'm hired as an investigative reporter and that I was so afraid to go to because, you know, you think of Oklahoma city or, you know, are people going to be like, you know, what are they going to be like over there? And, but it ended up just being such a cool place. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, I don't know why I'm pausing here. I don't even know what else I'm going to say, but, um, you know, I did some great work there, uh, made some amazing friends and stayed there for, I don't know, around three years. I, I don't really remember. Okay. And did you, I mean, did you, that was kind of your, seems like your first like full-fledged, full-time, 100% investigative, not even with like the consumer tint. Um, did you like it, love it, hate it? Um, you know, I, I went through two different news directors there. The first one ended up getting fired <laughs> and I butted heads with him, I think a little bit. Um, you know, it was kind of, I think a love hate relationship with him sometimes, but other than that, I, and also there was one other investigative reporter there. There were two of us. And, you know, I think I wasn't really on the best terms with him either for some reason. But other than that, I really loved it there. I did some stories that went national and um, actually changed laws in the state and, um, you know, really made a difference. And, you know, that's in the end what really matters. Right. So, um, you know, the fact that you made a difference and, um, you know, that's why we do this. And on a personal note, you know, I just made some friends that are lifelong friends and just had some really cool experiences socially. Um, you know, like met some thunder players, um, you know, met the flaming lips and, you know, still, talk to some of them to this day and so it's just it was a really cool experience and if you don't know who the flaming lips are that's a band that's based out of there yeah i, d I did know that but i didn't know i didn't know they were based out of there um but uh yeah that's a cool experience um so all right so you're there about two or three you know three and a half years whatever and uh what came after that so then i went to my biggest market but it wasn't an investigative job. It was just straight reporting. And that was in Orlando uh, um, at WFTV. Okay. And I was so excited to go back to Orlando because when I went to college there, I just loved that city and always said to myself, oh, I always want to be a reporter here. And, um, but that particular station was just unlike any other station. And, um, I only ended up staying there for one year. Mm. Um, so it was not a great experience there. Right. Basically, they did not end up renewing my contract. Mm. Um, and so what made you, I mean, you know, a lot of people, once they become an investigative reporter, like full-fledged, full-time, 
they stay in that role. But, you know, you obviously took a general assignment position, it sounds like, in Orlando after being investigative at Fox in Oklahoma City. So what made you willing to make that switch? Was it just the fact that it kind of got you closer to home and to where you went to college? So there were a couple things going on. So at the time I did that, my two grandparents were both very, very ill. Mm. And I wanted to be closer to them. And so that was the main goal. And also I had just gotten an agent for the first time. He actually approached me. He was in Oklahoma City overnight and was watching the news and saw one of my reports and he contacted me and said he wanted to represent me. And, you know, I had always avoided having an agent because I felt like I didn't need one. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I wasn't really looking. But when he contacted me, you know, I basically told him, I'm like, look, if you can get me a job in Florida, then you know, we're good, but I won't go anywhere else, just Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I explained the situation about my grandparents. And unfortunately, by the time I got the job, um, I think it was my grandfather. He passed away just before I started. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of started at that station. I, I was so close to my grandparents and, you know, they, they mean so much to me to this day. I just was really mourning um and just in such grief uh and i just wasn't really the same for a little bit you know yeah just not in the right headspace to be doing anything let alone a new job right yeah i just wasn't really ready for for that and that particular station was very very competitive whereas every single day they would have you know us like the employees vote against each other to see who had the best stand up the day before and whoever had the best stand up in their package would win a gift card <laughs> and it's um and then also um it was just a, a very very competitive station internally yeah so uh in uh hunger games of uh newsrooms out here with that um yeah that's pretty that's pretty savage there um yeah like <laughs> We had something like that at the ABC in uh, Pittsburgh for a while where they called it the, they called the Newsies. I can't remember what they called it, but I think it was the Newsies. And um, there was like a trophy. And if you, you know, it was just kind of voted on by the news director or the assistant news director. And if you just did the best thing of the day, whatever that was, you know, if you helped someone or had a good stand up or made an extra phone call or whatever, um, you know, got an exclusive, then you would win the Newsie for the day. And it was the exact same thing like at the end of the month or something, the best uh, newsy person, you know, the person with the most newsies or whatever would, would get like a gift card to a grocery store. Um, so huh. there, you but know. Who would, vote? who would vote for that award? Would it be management or would be your colleagues vote against each other? That was just management. They just kind of. See, that would, makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but that the, makes the sense issue, to me. Yeah, and when I first started, I liked the idea. By the end, I, I'd soured on it a little bit, but. The, the issue with it was that management would make the ultimate decision, but they accepted um, like submissions and, and like nominations from the, the talent, like from employees. So I yeah. mean, oftentimes, you know, that kind of led to it being like a little bit um, just up to like how motivated employees were to, and you couldn't nominate yourself, but like, I don't know, it was, you know, it was a good idea, but sometimes. Yeah. You know, like, so basically like if you had a friend in the newsroom. Exactly. Yeah. It can be a little distorted by, uh, you know, when it's put into practice. So. Right. Absolutely. 
All right. So you're there in, in Orlando and it's not going incredibly great. Um, so how long were you there for? Just one year? So yeah, just one year. Basically it, it was the contracts that they had were, um, you know, you had a year and if they didn't like you, you know, they didn't have to renew you. That's sort of how the contracts were written there. And um, luckily what was nice about this station, they gave me a really long heads up, you know, I think it was maybe three months before my contract ended. And they said, you know, look, we're not going to be renewing you. And, um, you know, they still, even though I knew that, let me stick around. And, um, you know, so it wasn't something like they just, it was no warning or anything. Like they told me months in advance. Um, so that was the one positive thing in the way they handled it. I felt you know, sure. they handled it in a very, very professional way. Sure. Yeah, that's good at least. Um, so what, what did you do after that? So after that, I still had the same agent. And, you know, I initially had told him that, you know, I really wish to stay in Florida, but I was open to going other places. And... Um, at this point now, wait, let's see. No, so it was my grandmother who passed away before I started Orlando. And then at this point now, my grandfather's sick. So I'm definitely, you know, wanting to stay in Florida. And then he tells me that, oh, he has an opportunity for me to go to Tucson. And I say, absolutely not. And I actually turned down this job because, you know, my grandfather is now very gravely ill, and I certainly want to stay by his side. But then um, my grandfather passes away. And I actually went back to the news director and said, look, if I can, you know, have a few weeks to, you know, get through the funeral and whatnot, I actually will um, take this job if you still would like to offer it to me. Um, because, you know, I obviously didn't have to save my grandfather anymore. And so they still wanted me. And so that's when I went to Tucson. Uh, okay. What year would that have been approximately? Wow. I'd honestly have to look. Um, but I was there for, I think, two and a half years. Okay. So probably somewhere in the range of like 2013 or 14 or 2012, something like that. Yeah, and I think I think it was actually 2016. I think when I was let go. Okay. Um, so you were at this was the NBC station in Tucson, Arizona, and you were hired as what general assignment or investigative or investigative. Yeah. Okay. And it was actually, believe it or not, a one man band position again. Oh wow! Was that difficult yeah. for you to go back to that? Um. You know, it, uh, you know, I, well, first of all, you know, I did take a bit of a paycheck cut going from Orlando to Tucson. You know, I knew I was going to have to do that uh, because it is a smaller market. And then on top of that, having to do the MMJ thing, it, it wasn't tough for me. I think what was tough for me was the fact that there was another investigative reporter at the station. And he had his, you know, own crew. He did have a camera guy. You know, he had someone who was helping him, you know, produce and edit. And meanwhile, then there's me who, you know, has to do everything herself. 
and we were both expected to turn out the same amount of content and we were being compared to each other. And that, that's what bothered me. Right. So you were there for a few years. Um, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two and a half years. Okay. Um, I know you were still going to some of the IRE investigative reporters and editors conferences and whatnot. Um, but it sounds like you weren't uh, entirely happy there in Tucson. And so I do remember there being some sort of drama, you know, sort of surrounding your uh, departure from Tucson. And I do remember it had something to do with like a, like a Periscope video or something like that and a dog or so. A Periscope video and a dog. Are you comfortable talking about that situation? Sure, absolutely. Let me just take a sip of my tea real quick. <laughs> I thought you were going to say vodka for a minute. Um, <laughs> no, I actually, I don't drink. <laughs> but that yeah. would make sense. I know a lot of reporters do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, probably, it's definitely better to not, to not drink, I think. But um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of reporters um, do so probably heavily. Um, yes. <laughs> That's like a little secret that viewers don't know. <laughs> right. A lot of reporters are drunk from my experience. I mean, not on the air, but I don't know, maybe some are, but that was my experience socially. I met a lot of drunk reporters, but anyway, so going back to the periscoping dogs um, and leading to my dismissal from news. Uh, so this was when, uh, for those who don't know what Periscope is, it's Twitter's version of live streaming. So if you've heard of Facebook Live, this is Twitter Live, basically. Um, but it's called Periscope. Um, and hold on one sec, I just need to plug in my phone. Sure. I think. All right. So when Periscope first came out, uh, my station obviously had no idea what it is. Live, the idea of live streaming was this brand new thing that most people didn't know about. I actually found out about it from one of the public information officers from the fire department because they were going to start using it and told me and a couple other people about it. And so that's how I, you know, first found out. And I, you know, experimented with it and went to my news director and also one of the promotions guys and told them about it and said, you know, oh, this, you know, live streaming platform is very cool. And here are some ways that we could potentially incorporate it into promoting our newscasts. And, um, you know, my news director sort of like went, okay. And then the promotions guy like loved the idea. Um, my news director did not like the idea that I went to the promotions guy sort of over her head. But, you know, we were friends and it wasn't, you know, wasn't an intentional thing to go over her head. I just, you know, said it in passing conversation as a, you know, friend. But she felt like I was going over her, I guess, and didn't like that. And then um, for some reason she said to me, look, I don't want you going on Periscope until we can come up with some sort of social media policy as a station, because they didn't have a social media policy at the time as to, you know, what we can use, can't use, what the rules are, et cetera, except for the common sense stuff that is, you know, sort of in our contract, you know, that the unknown, the stuff that we just know common sense wise that, hey, don't say this on social media, don't 
talk about your political affiliation. Don't talk about stories. Don't badmouth the station. You know, common sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, that. so, but there were no rules as to, you know, in black and white as to what you're supposed to do. But then I noticed that other people at the station were using Periscope. And for those of you who are familiar with Periscope, this was when the platform was so new, it hadn't even been launched on the Android yet. So it was only about a month old at the time. And so keep in mind, like my station thinks it's like just this really weird thing. But I'm noticing that one of the meteorologists is using it already and he's, you know, used it at the station and other employees are, you know, actively using it. So why am I the only one who's been told not to use it? Mm -hmm. So that sort of rubs me the wrong way. And one night my dogs, I had two at the time, were snoring and it was the cutest thing in the world. And I say, well, what's the harm if I live stream some video of my dogs i'm not working and it's not me talking it's not video of me it you know i'm not on the clock i'm mm -hmm. gonna live stream video of my dog snoring mm -hmm. so i did it and i as i'm live streaming you can little notifications pop up of who's joining the live stream and as i'm live streaming i see that our social media director joins the live stream I don't say anything, but I see him join. Mm -hmm. And he also wasn't happy that I noticed, you know, this new social media platform and brought it to management. You know, he's the one who's supposed to notice this stuff and, you know, be on the ball as far as like social media stuff. Right. So I think he was sort of mad about that too. I mean, who knows? Anyway, so he tattletales on me. <laughs> quote unquote, and, you know, tells the news director that I went on Periscope, even though I wasn't supposed to. And <clears throat> I end up being called into the general manager's office. And he says, Marissa, oh, and my news director's there as well. And he says, Marissa, we told you not to go on Periscope. You did anyway. That's insubordination. So we're going to have to let you go. Wow. And, uh, you know, other than I was given no other warning. I had never been in trouble at the station, never been written up before. Um, and just at that moment, no more pay, um, no more health insurance, nothing. And that was it. Jeez, what a, what a situation. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how, I mean, I'll tell you, I've experienced things like that before without naming any names or any stations where um, people are like, kind of territorial about ideas and, you know, feeling like undercut. And it's kind of a shame, you know, sometimes. And again, I wasn't in your newsroom. I don't know the full situation, but like, it sounds like there was definitely some, some like jealousy or, you know, people who, you know, they wanted to, to have that new idea and present it. And, and it sounds like what you were doing was more so like to try to help the station as a whole, you know, be on the forefront of a new technology, a new uh, tool. And it's just kind of crazy that that, that led to your dismissal? Well, I think there were some other reasons why they were just trying to find some, there, some way for me to, or some way for them to say that I screwed something up. Like, I, you know, I think that 
And that was maybe the first time that I had finally not followed an order, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even though as ridiculous as it sounds, um, because I, there were a couple other people at that station that didn't like me. Um, and so, and, and also some high powered city officials that didn't like me, you know, because of stories I was in the process of working on. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just, it, there's just a, a couple really shady things, let's just say that, um, you know, I won't get into maybe, I don't know, but it, it, it really just, it was in horrible taste. And to this day, I, you know, I'm a very forgiving person. Um, and I, it, you know, I always believed in not burning bridges and, um, however, I really feel like that station was in the wrong and, um, I, uh, I, I just don't know like how the management at that station was able to sleep at night, like knowing like what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just did it in such a horrible way. Hmm. Geez. So, I mean, that must've been, I mean, how did you feel at that moment, you know, the next couple of days? Oh God, I went into a horrible depression uh, over the next month where, you know, I wouldn't even leave my apartment. I mean, I, I just was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. You know, I loved my job. I was that reporter who would stay at that station, I mean, for hours and hours after, after my shift, you know, not putting this down on my timesheet just working my ass off. And, um, you know, I was always there, you know, when the morning shift came in um, and I would volunteer to go shoot breaking news, even when, you know, I was on vacation. (laughs) Like if I, I, um, you know, I was that kind of reporter. Um, I volunteered to do every single public um, appearance event that we did. Um, you know, I, up until the day I was fired, like I, when I went to any IRE conference, it was something I paid for. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, something the station sent me on, mm-hmm. you know, I paid for those experiences. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just, uh, you know, I was always married to my job. Like I didn't really have a social life outside of work at that point because I was so, obsessed with work, which is, you know, not a good thing. Um, you know, it's not good to be that obsessed with your job. Mm-hmm. And um, to the point where if you lose it, you don't have anything else, you know? Yeah. And so when I lost it, I felt like, you know, I, I lost my heart, you know? And, um, you know, so I had nothing in, in my mind. And so I was just so depressed and I felt so betrayed, you know, cause I had, um, you know, I thought like my, my news director, you know, every single day, like I'd bring her Starbucks, you know, like we had almost sort of like a friendship too. Mm. And, um, every day, like I'd bring her Starbucks, you know, her, um, unsweetened green tea. And she would put this like certain type of sugar that sometimes I'd bring her that sugar. I forgot what it was. <clears throat> was it like the stevia 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 in the raw 
Stevia yeah. and raw. I remember once I brought her a box of that. Um, like, I mean, so we, you know, had like, and sometimes, you know, she'd keep me in her office for an hour telling me about her personal problems. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I felt like I just felt so betrayed. Um, I really did because another employee had been fired, I think a month before me, and he had been given a written warning and that he, and, and after that written warning, I guess he, you know, screwed up again and that's when he was fired. But me, I had never been in HR before. You know, I was that model employee, um, that just hadn't screwed up. And then all of a sudden it, you know, because of snoring dogs, you know, I was let go and it just, and it also financially ruined me. You know, I had a BMW lease. I had just re-signed a lease at my apartment building. Um, and so you have these financial obligations that all of a sudden you lose your paycheck and, you know, how do you pay that stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's scary, actually. That's, you know, it's, it's, uh, and then you're, you know, kind of naturally depressed and sad. And so you're really not in a great mood or headspace to be now shopping yourself to other TV stations because you're, you know, kind of emotionally distraught. And uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like an incredibly difficult situation. So uh, we'll press fast forward. So you're kind of sitting there on your couch now, you know, feeling betrayed, definitely quite depressed, you know, a little confused. Um, and you know, how are you able to, in brief, how are you able to emerge from that and, and what came next, uh, career wise? So I, I mean, that time I just slept, I didn't even have the energy to watch TV. It, I mean, it, it, and so finally I called up my mom and I said, you know, mom, I really need help. Like, I'm just not, I'm just not right. And she comes to town and we end up calling I actually was seeing a psychiatrist at the time um and she basically said look she needs to go into treatment um for depression mm. and um I was diagnosed with major depression and PTSD which is post traumatic stress disorder which was like immediately affiliated with you know the trauma of you know just being let go I guess um, and so that I would say saved my life, you know, going to treatment for, I went for five weeks, um, and uh, I went to like, you know, one of those really nice upscale places in the Arizona area. It was, um, what was it called? I don't know, but, um, my parents were kind enough to pay for that. You know, it was really expensive. Um, something that insurance didn't pay for. So, um, yeah, so I did that. And then one of the therapists there, you know, I didn't want to get back into TV news at the time because it would have been like too traumatic. Um, I would have, you know, just felt like, oh, they're going to let me go or they're going to, you know. And I, um, every Friday, I think they would have a talent show there. And I always did the talent shows. You know, one, one day I'd, I'd play the guitar and sing a song I wrote, or I would do one of my characters. I have all these different characters that I do and, you know, yeah. all these different voices. <laughs> I know that sounds really silly, but, you know, being a former musical theater person, I'm 
quite eccentric and have all these, you know, yeah. all these things I do. So, um, and people loved it. I was just like the comedian of this place. And if there were a sad person, um, I would, that never smiled, I would be the one person that would be able to make this person laugh um, at this place. And, you know, it just brought me joy to make people smile. That's really interesting that like you were, you went in there because you were depressed and then, you know, making other, you kind of like, it helped you to make other people happy. You know, that's interesting. Like it sounds like it helped you to get out of your own depression. Oh yeah. I was like the class clown of that place, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> like I remember there was, you know, we had separate boy and girl sides. Um, you know, during the day we would, you know, intermingle and go to like classes with each other. But then obviously there were different sleeping quarters. And I remember there was this one night where I dressed up like a boy <laughs> and snuck over like to the other side, like to where their smoking area is. And um, I just kept fooling everyone. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And I mean, I got away with it. And just everyone just thought it was so funny. And it was just so, I mean that type of, you know, troublemaking doesn't, you know, hurt anybody. Um, but, you know, I was like, I loved like little pranks like that. And um, it would just make people laugh. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so you were there and, uh, you know, what was the next iteration? You know, eventually you decided to get back into the, the working world. And, and what did you, you know, how did you, I mean, I know now you're, you're doing acting. So how did that come about? Right. So one of the um, therapists there said, you know, Marissa, I really think that you should get into improv. And, um, you know, obviously we don't want you to go back to Tucson because that's going to be too traumatic. And she's like, you should go out to LA and pursue like acting. And I said, wow, like I've always wanted, she read my mind because it's something I always wanted to do when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But you know, my parents divorced. My dad actually moved out to LA and, you know, my mom was in Miami where I was raised and my dad would always try to get me to move out to LA with him to, you know, and said, oh, Marissa, you know, there's this acting job you could do. And, you know, my dad always knew from the time I was a kid, I always wanted to act. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I did that. Um, I just, even though I, I still had to pay rent on my Tucson apartment, uh, you know, I continued to do that, but I took, you know, whatever savings I had and used that as my, you know, down payment or whatever that is for a lease in LA and just said, you know, excuse my language, but I said, fuck it. And I'm not going to worry about the money aspect and I'm going to just do this and try it. Yeah. And that's how I ended up here. Yeah, so that took some some bravery and and kind of a leap of faith, I, I would imagine. So you you moved to LA, you get an apartment, um, and did you like hire an agent or just like post ads on Craigslist or look up um, like open auditions or how did that work? Yeah, so I haven't gotten an agent yet, actually, but I found out you know the the various ways to start looking for acting jobs. You know there are definitely don't do Craigslist. There are a lot of scams right. out here. So you do have to be very, very careful. And even on the legitimate acting sites, there are still scams. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, people need to realize is you should never have to pay for any acting job or any agent or manager. Um, they should be paying you. Okay. So, but I, you know, just 
got myself registered on the different casting sites. I went to this place called Central Casting, which is like a place where every single actor who moves out to LA just sort of registers at, and you know, for background roles. And um, I just started getting work. Wow. I mean, how, how long did it take you to get your first gig, your first uh, job? Wow. Um, like a week, a month, a year. You know what? I will say like just after a few months, I actually got a job that made me eligible to join the union, which is a huge deal wow. because there's some actors who have spent 20 years out here and still aren't eligible to join SAG-AFTRA because you have to get a certain number of, you know, union jobs as a background actor, or you have to get one lead job and you get something called a Taft-Hartley. Well, I got a lead job and I got a Taft-Hartley like just a, a few months um, after moving here. And that was because of just one of my auditions. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And unfortunately though, because the union dues um, to join. It's so expensive. I think it's $3,200 to join mm -hmm. um, the one-time fee. I couldn't afford that by the time I was eligible. So it took me, I think, two years to finally join. And that was because one of my Periscope fans all the way in Canada said that he just believed in me. And and wanted me to join because he felt like, you know, I had talent and he actually paid Whoa. the entire due amount. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And when you say Periscope fans, I mean, I, you know, can you explain what you mean by that? Because I mean, did you, I know you were doing it at the kind of like the inception of Periscope and then <laughs> kind of led to the, the, you know, dismissal in Tucson. But I, I assume then that you kept doing it and were these fans from, like your TV, local TV days, or were these new fans, or these acting, you know, fans of you as an actress, or both? Like, what, what do you mean? Yeah, no, I just have viewers from all over the world who, you know, once you start, you know, broadcasting on Periscope for a certain amount of time, every time you broadcast, more and more people discover you, and if they like you, they'll keep watching you, and I just have certain viewers that have been watching me for years now and um they're just i guess fans and um they sometimes know more about my life than i do and um you know there are certain viewers who are in every single one of my broadcasts and i almost consider them family you know they're like a support system it's amazing and they're literally from all over the world. And I, sometimes I get thousands of viewers in these broadcasts. Mm. Well, I mean, what, do you, what do you traditionally typically talk about during, during your Periscope broadcast lately? Um, I mean, I am 100% open with them. I, I talk about my life, anything that's going on. Um, you know, when my dog passed away recently, one of my dogs, you know, I it was them that comforted me. Um, you know, I spoke and cried to them about it uh, because they had also, they loved my dog, Boo Boo, you know, not as, I mean, not as much as me, but some of them, you know, because I show my dogs to my broadcasts and so many of them were, you know, just as heartbroken. 
And um, sometimes I'll go on and do one of my characters. And I, I have certain characters that, you know, <laughs> they're particularly fans of. I have one that's a fortune-telling character. She, she talks in like a Middle Eastern accent, sort of like this. And, and she uh, is a fortune teller. And she uh, is called Madame Fulashit. And it's F-U-L-L-A-H. Sheet, S-H-E-E-T. And she tells you your fortune, your future. And, uh, you know, people are big fans of her. <laughs> and, um, you know, people will call me and, you know, people can call into my broadcasts and tell me about their lives and hard times they're going through sometimes. And um, so, you know, it's just uh, every, I don't really plan my broadcasts. It's just... Uh, Always different. Who knows? Yeah. When do you uh, when do you t typically do these broadcasts? That's the thing. Like I I really don't plan them. Um, you know, just sometimes if I'm in a cool place, if it's something cool to show, I'll just start up the phone and broadcast and be like, hey, look at this, you know. And um, or if I feel like I need to talk about something, I'll start up the phone. It's just totally random. And some of my broadcasts I keep up for replay viewers. Others I take down right away. And I do that because I want people to follow um, me and, and know that, you know, hey, if you want to see a broadcast, you got to be following my account. Sure. You know? sure. Do you do, you do uh, like Patreon or any of that stuff, like the websites where people can kind of like contribute or like do a subscription to support you? No, I don't. Uh-uh. Periscope has something called super hearts where people can contribute a super heart. Like they, they pay for them through the app store. Mm -hmm. And if they like your content, they can give you a super heart. So I'll sometimes get, you know, a payout from Twitter because of, you know, super heart contributions. Oh, okay. So is Periscope still like, is it, is it thriving or is it on life support or how is it doing? And the reason I ask is because I, I haven't, you know, done much with it in the last, like, really, like, three to four years, um, you know, it seems like Facebook Live has kind of, um, you know, eaten up the market share to a large extent. I mean, before Periscope, there was even, like, Meerkat was, like, really the first one that I was aware <laughs> of, um, which well, I was back in, like, 2014, um, you know, for, through an Israeli company, and then very quickly, you know, came Periscope next, which was very, really dominant, and then Facebook Live sort of seem to enter the marketplace and take over. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Is, is Periscope still thriving? Oh, yeah. Well, I would say that the majority of people know of Periscope through Twitter because, and people, the only reason why is because basically Twitter has just recently started integrating the live video into the timelines. Uh -huh. And now through your Twitter timeline, you can actually hit, you know, live video. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the same thing as Periscope. Like, that's through my Periscope account. Um, so I can either hit, you know, go live through my Twitter feed, or I could hit it through Periscope, and either way, it's going to go to my Twitter timeline, and it's the same exact thing. Um, so it's just most people know it as Twitter Live. 
Sure. And I think they're trying to build the brand more Mm -hmm. by identifying it as Twitter Live now. Okay. Okay. Um, It's fascinating. I mean, as of 20 owned by Twitter. Right. Um, You know, like if I, I actually have my taxes like for the super hearts through Twitter. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, because as of like 2013, nothing like this existed publicly. Um, and then suddenly, you know, as of 2014, 2015, you know, and so on. But it's just like, I remember, I remember messing around with Meerkat when I worked in Connecticut. Um, and I would like set up my phone and actually let people, you know, view our live broadcast. But like if they weren't in our area, I would, like they could watch me broadcasting, you know, in the studio through my phone while I was doing a live newscast. And it was on Meerkat. And it felt like really high tech and cutting edge and you know, now that's like, that seems super old school. You know, the, I mean, this is like the whole new world here of live video. It's just so easy now to, to go live from anywhere. Um, it's just interesting to me, but so I'm actually on Twitter now. How do you do the live function? I don't see that button whenever I go to, to make a tweet. Is that only on your phone or? So if, as if you were going to compose a post, Mm -hmm. so you, let's see. I wonder if I can click off of this and do it. All right. I need to check this. So if you were going to like click like a post thingy Mm -hmm. and if you were to click the photo thing, like for the video, and then there's one button where it would say capture and another one that says live. Oh, okay. Do you see that? Um, I'm doing it on a laptop, so I don't think it gives me that option here, but maybe if I were to- Oh, on a laptop, you can't do it either on a- mobile uh, mobile device or ipad i don't think you can do that on a laptop i could be wrong okay but um or you just may have to update the app but i'm pretty sure that's not available yet on laptops i don't have a laptop i would love to have a laptop my laptop is still from college and it's very broken (laughs) so yeah that's something i'm saving up for eventually um, so what is your, what role are you, you know, most excited about or most proud of since you've been an actress? Um, is, is, or what is your biggest role? I think you probably get that question all the time, but it's probably, it might even be a rude question to ask an, you know, actor. Not actor, at all. Okay. No, not at all. Honestly, like, I don't know if there's one that I'm most proud of. I would just say as long as I'm getting work, even if it's, you know, being in the background is something I'm happy, you know, like, and that's what's been amazing, you know, anytime I work on a show, they call me back and want me again. And that's the biggest compliment I think that an actor can get. Um, you know, so the fact that, you know, lately I've actually just been getting jobs every week and those shows, you know, I'm actually getting multiple calls for, you know, a certain day and I have to say no to jobs. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. And I have some projects that are coming out that, you know, you'll actually be able to see me in. Um, some of them, you know, it's not an actual lines. Um, one of, I do have a film coming out um, that you will be able to see. And I'm going to the premiere in January. And there is a, um, you can watch the trailer on YouTube. It's called Inter Reflections. And believe it or not, I play a news anchor. (laughs) 
And so for anybody who is, you know, a reporter or news anchor, obviously in Hollywood, there are so many roles for news reporters and news anchors. And I've gotten so many of those roles. So, um, yeah, so that film will be coming out um, at the beginning of next year. And then I just have some, I just worked with, I mean, incredible huge actors recently that, you know, I can't even tell you about because the projects, you know, haven't been released yet. Uh, you know, we technically have non-disclosure agreements, which, you know, we are supposed to not disclose what projects we're working on until they air. But I can just tell you that I have been in scenes with, you know, uh, Oscar award-winning actors and just incredible, incredible people and in these projects that are just going to be very, very cool. And just worked on some TV shows for some of the networks. And um, it's just been really fun. Yeah, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. Good for you. Good for you. Um, making your way out there in uh, LA after, you know, a, a pretty uh, rough, you know, departure from, from local TV, but it sounds like you've, you've made, absolutely made the best of it. And, and sometimes that's the way life works. I've found as I get older that, you know, uh, there's always that quote about like, uh, you know, crisis can, can truly be an opportunity. Um, and at the time it doesn't seem like it, but, um, so that's awesome. Um, are you, so you're able to like pay the bills, um, at, you know, full as an actress full time, or do you have other work as well? Or, or is it, or do you just do the acting full time? No, no. So I actually on the, every actor needs some sort of side hustle. It's sort of like how people would joke in the past that, you know, every actor is a waiter or waitress, you know, these days, every actor is going to be an Uber driver or, you know, the Uber drivers are like the new waiters and waitresses of the past. Um, and so my side hustle, um, is eBay. You know, I love selling stuff on eBay. So I oh. have a full-time eBay store wow. and that is uh, thrifty chick LA. Oh, if okay. anyone wants to check it out and I'm, I'm really into it. Um, you know, I list new stuff every day in all sorts of different categories. And, um, I love like when I sell something, I package it all pretty. And, um, I have a 100% seller um, positive feedback. And I've been selling since my very first job in TV news, I think. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I thought I was the only, uh, like local TV reporter who had a eBay, a side eBay, uh, gig, but I I'm learning tonight that I'm, that I'm not, I, I've, I've also been, I'm also kind of into eBay. It's funny when you, when you say eBay, sometimes people, I feel like I get a weird look from people kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like there's like a stigma to it, but, and I'm not sure why, but, um, or maybe I just have a, a complex about it, but yeah, no, I've been, I've been doing eBay for a long time myself too. I don't have like a full fledged uh, store with a title and all that, but, um, just, you know, here and there, um, just, just selling stuff since I was about 16 or 17 years old. So, um, it's, it's fun, you know, you kind of get a rush from it and it's kind of cool to, uh, mail stuff out to people that's going to make them happy. And, um, you know, and, and make a little side cash. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I like side hustles. Um, it's, it's, you know, sometimes I, I probably extend myself a little too far with these different things, but, uh, definitely enjoyable and, and a good way to make uh, side money. So, um, that's cool. That's cool. Interesting. I'll have to check out the, uh, the store. <laughs> 
Yeah. Thrifty. See, the thing with um, acting, um, yeah, Thrifty Chick LA. Yeah. Um, so, but the thing with acting is you could do one commercial and be set for life. Um, like some of these commercials will pay like 30000 for just, I mean, one little like quick shoot, you know, I mean, two lines or like, you know, two words even. Right. And um, $30,000, $60,000. And you also get residuals. However, you know, most of my roles right now are, you know, background roles. And um, I don't have an agent yet either. Um, yeah. So um, if I got an agent, then I'd probably get, you know, some legitimate auditions. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't really find out about those. Once you join the union, um, you know, it's harder to get these auditions. But when I was non-union, gosh, you know, I was getting auditions left and right. Um, but once you join the union, it's definitely much harder. So my next stop is I, I have to find a agent. So yeah. that's what I'm working on right now or I'm going to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm on your, uh, international movie database page, IMDB, and it says that you're the daughter of former KCAL nine consumer reporter, Alan Mendelson. Is that accurate? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I think so. I, um, you know, had to do a genetic test, but, you know, and he claims that, you know, I'm really the daughter of the milkman, but no, I'm kidding. But he really, like, he, he has a lot of, he's a sick humor. So, but um, yes, he's my father. Does that inspire you? Is that what kind of partially inspired you to, to get into local news mm -hmm. in the first place? You know, I don't know if it inspired me per se. Um, you know, I kind of grew up in newsrooms and, um, you know, he always would have me watch him on the news. So it kind of, I think, came naturally. He says I was actually on the news the day I was born. Um, I was in a promo because a friend of his was at the hospital that I was born in and needed to borrow a baby for a promo. <laughs> and I still keep in touch with that reporter, actually. And, uh, uh, you know, I met him later in life. And, you know, it was just like I gave him the biggest hug and he gave me the biggest hug. And we just think it's so cool that he held me yeah. the day I was born, you know? Yeah, that is. And, um, yeah, yeah. My dad used to like bring me and my brother on the air and bring us to the stations. And um, at an IRE conference, I actually met one of his colleagues and his colleague said, you know, Marissa, you used to sit up next to me and bang on the typewriter. And this was, <laughs> you know, when they had typewriters at the stations instead wow. of computers. And so, um, it, you know, it was just like a natural environment to me. However, I, I think, was born with that journalism bug because I, um, at a very young age, made something called the House Newspaper, where I would distribute like a weekly newspaper to my household oh. and write little articles about each person in it huh. you know like yeah and then when we got a video camera I started making like little documentaries wow and yeah which always ended with a flushing of the toilet <laughs> <laughs> I always included that in my videos which is you know it's just my trademark but um and I was on the news after Hurricane Andrew in Miami I made a before and after um report or video um of my neighborhood and so i was on the news you know showing that video at age like 10 and um so yeah it was just like a natural thing wow um awesome well um this has been a cool conversation to have um with you so 
you're going to, um, I guess, you know, try to get an agent and continue to uh, ascend in the, uh, the acting world. And uh, what, what would you put the percentage on that you ever get back into local TV news? Is it 0%, 1%, uh, 50%? That news bug, if you're a true journalist, it never goes away. And it has never gone away from me. If I see breaking news, I still pull over. <laughs> um, I still have that urge to call the assignment desk. Um, you know, I still want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I've tried to investigate whatever I can on the computer to, you know, break whatever I can. Mm -hmm. And I've sent that information to colleagues at the networks and actually helped break angles of stories. So I, and they've been very grateful. And so I, you know, I just still have that bug. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, the, so you're, 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 you're telling me there's a chance it, it, it could happen. Never say never. You're telling me there's a chance. Exactly. Um, it would have to be for the right station, you know, the, the right, management and i and what that is i don't know i guess it would just have to be a feeling you know a lot of news is going to the internet now um and uh so yeah i don't know um if an offer came let's just say i wouldn't say no right away sure. i would definitely want to know more sure sure okay cool um well yeah this has been a really cool conversation and certainly um a little bit different from some of the other ones um I guess the last thing I'll ask you um, is, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, young reporters or people in local news who, who do go through a big change, you know, whether it's having a sick parent or getting fired or, you know, getting yelled at by a boss. I mean, you know, maybe they're 24 years old and not sure what to do. Um, what, what would you say, you know, what would be your pep talk to someone like that? Well, I would say that a lot of people, especially in the news business, it's such a competitive business. And I would say being in the news business is more competitive than any other business I've ever heard of. You know, every single day you're fighting with your colleagues to be that top story. Um, you know, to, it, it's, and it can really break your heart and make you feel bad. And if anybody's struggling with depression or sadness, just know that it's those tough times that make you stronger and you will come out of it. It may feel like you will never be happy again, that you, you know, will never, that you're always going to be sad and it's like the worst thing in the world, but eventually, you know, you will feel better and you're going to be that much stronger because of whatever hardship you went through. So just hold on. Yeah, great advice. Great advice. Um, if people want to uh, find you on Periscope or other social <laughs> media, um, what's what, how can they do that? What are your like handles? What's the best place to uh, find you? All right. All my social media is at Marissa Mendelson, and that's uh, Marissa with one R, one S. Mendelson, M-E-N-D-E-L-S-O-N. I'm on Twitter, Periscope, Instagram, YouTube. And I think those are my main ones, but, um, all my DMS are open as well. And, um, I think it's really important to, you know, be active on social media. And I 
have absolutely no regrets. And I'm glad I did that periscope of my dogs. <laughs> we we got to get you on uh, TikTok now. The new, the new, all the kids are doing. <laughs> you know what? I register for accounts everywhere. I have a registered TikTok account, but I don't use it. You know, you have to also limit how many social media accounts you actually are active on because it can drive you crazy. I have a hard time keeping up with DMs and accounts, you know, just because, you know, the more active you are, the more people are going to want to reach out. And right. so you kind of have to start picking and choosing <clears throat> who you can respond to. Yeah. Um, because if you started responding to everybody, you would not actually have a life. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, you also don't want to like dilute the brand as well and just have, you know, 50 things that run. Uh, although I will say, I think that I learned about TikTok last year from um, a, a high school student that I was working with on a video project um, for the school that I was consulting with. And I had never heard of it. You know, didn't really know about it. And uh, I created a page and started messing around. And it's very fun, I will say. And I think you would uh, kill it on, on TikTok. It seems to blend kind of a lot of the things that it sounds like you're, you're good at in terms of, you know, the voices and characters and uh, humor and, and all that. It, it, it seems like it's, it's uh, tailor-made for that. But um, <laughs> obviously you're, you're doing very well on your other social media and, and a Periscope star. So um, excited to uh, watch where your career continues to take you or where you continue to take it. And um, thanks again for uh, joining the Reporter Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really, it was an honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.